Yeah, let's just get right to it, huh? How's it going? My name is John. I was trained as a pastor, and I like to do these little things. One of the things I like to do, though, is try to say something new. I think it was Dostoevsky, he talks about how the most courageous thing for someone to do is take is to take a new step or to speak a new word. And I think I'm starting to lean into that a little bit more. I, uh, I read a passage from, oh no, I forget if it's 1st or 2nd Corinthians, but it talks about how Paul said that he was going to lay a foundation and other people were going to build on it. Well, I'm not interested in building or relaying the same foundation, the same teachings over and over and over, and try to say something new. Now, granted, if you say something new, there's always the question of, is it good? Is it worthwhile? Will it stand the test of time? And I think we need more people who are willing to say something new, and let's see if it stands the test of time. So that's what I hope to do in this one. This one is called The One About the Christ Self. And I've got some notes here, obviously, but thank you for listening. I'm actually going to go into what the, I've been learning the past couple months. Uh, obviously, during this COVID season and isolation and all of that. However, um, I kind of recently came to a better understanding of what's been happening to me internally. And if you don't mind, that's the plan. Now, we all know. This, we've now officially started, if you haven't noticed. Now we're going to get right into it. The one about the Christ self. All of us know uh, that we each have a self, right? You have a self, I have a self, our personhood, our identity, all of these things. It's all good. Well, what I would like to do is break down some of the things I've been learning in four stages of the self. Uh, four ways of maybe mapping out how you've experienced hardship or difficulty and where you might be headed into next. Does that make sense? So the the self, yes, it sounds as though it's rather psychological, but I'm kind of anchoring a lot of this in Matthew, Mark, Luke, but not John. In those four Gospels, um, we have obviously stories of Jesus, but also the teachings. And in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus talks about the self. Most notably in this bewildering and strange passage that I've already done some episodes on about uh, if you want to save yourself, you will lose yourself. But if you lose yourself, you will save yourself. Religious texts are always full of these types of paradoxes. All of these inversions that, it, it, okay, that makes no sense. Or is, is, that, is that a paradox? What's going on? But that's just it. The self, if you try to hold on to yourself, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose your life, right? But if you're willing to give up your life, you're going to find that you found the good life. That's, I think, what we're going to talk about today. So there's four stages, and the first one is just talking about the self. So let's break down the self, okay? So all of us, Um, throughout a good portion of our lives, we'll go through and build ourselves up. And this is good things. Like We will grow in our capacities, our skills. Maybe we'll go to college or get degrees. 
then eventually get a job with the title. And that's wonderful. All of us need a sense of self and understanding of who we are in order to thrive and to be in this world. Now, it's all good, all of it, because everyone needs to build themselves up. Everyone needs to do that. It's good to know where your strengths are, and it's good to know what sets you apart from other people, obviously. And uh, I went to college, I went to seminary, and done lots of reading since, worked in different types of churches, I've had different titles, built a sense of self, it's all good. And you know what? To build a sense of self is also good because it gives someone for other people to get to know and maybe even to love as well. So it's hard to get along in this life or to even get any traction if you haven't worked on yourself and figured out who yourself is in comparison to, let's say, the individual members of your family or the crew that you roll with. You don't, you need to figure out who you are. That's good. However, that's not the goal. The goal is not yourself, to build yourself up forever throughout your entire life, you know? Um, and one of the setbacks is that our view of ourself, let's be honest, it can be shaped by other people's expectations. Sometimes by family, they have certain expectations of us about who we will be, how we will act. Um, maybe our friend group will do that. Maybe it'll be our families, of course. I mean, sorry, not our families. I already said that. Our workplaces. Sometimes there's a work etiquette that's necessary. Um, but that, that also means you're being shaped by other people. And that doesn't always mean that they know what's best for you, right? Um, Oh, and then, yeah, it's good to build a self, but uh, let's be honest, most of us would fight to the death to keep that version of us alive, right? For a lot of us, as soon as someone comes and challenges us, we are prone to fighting back very hard because maybe we like ourselves and we don't want to change. Maybe we think we have arrived at the best version of ourselves and then someone brings up, hey, you might want to take a look at this. Now, they may do that in a harsh way or maybe in a kind way, but to the extent that you are in love with yourself, in the wrong way is the extent to which you'll fight off any critique. Okay. Now, here we go. I've done a good bit of that building of the self. Everyone should do that the first third or first half of their life. Let's say the first half. But it, there usually comes a turning point when let's use some uh, theological language crucifixion comes along. And all of a sudden, you're told in some way or another to pick up your cross and to follow Jesus wherever he is taking you. And what ends up happening is the self that you've clung to, that you've created, that you've identified yourself with for thus long, 
is exposed and shamed and put to death, sometimes in a public way, but certainly all the way. Oh, man. So this past summer, I think it was during COVID and, of course, during some of the conversations post uh, George Floyd, I kind of personally spiraled into a depression. It was a sadness, and obviously, but it was a heaviness. And my goodness, I just felt as though I was pulverized into nothingness. My own ego and sense of self, it was just turned to dust. Or it was so beaten down that even the dust could crush me. It was just bad, right? However, that's the second stage of learning to deny yourself or to crucify yourself, or at least maybe not doing it to yourself, but maybe uh, acquiescing and being all right with the crushing. Now, I have a, a few things to say about this second stage. First one, you got to build yourself up. That's cool. Because you can't deny yourself, like Matthew Mark Luke says, unless you have a self to deny. Does that make sense? All right. But all of us, at some point, are going to experience an enormous amount of upheaval and disruption. And then we have this very pivotal thing to do of choosing to voluntarily walk into that experience, to stop fighting it, and to walk into our own metaphorical soul level crucifixion. Now, it may have been that this second stage has been uh, initiated by circumstances beyond your control, or maybe you've had a bottoming out because you're an alcoholic. Let's say one of your most grievous errors of life have now been made abundantly clear to you. There could be any number of ways of being crucified, of having ourself being exposed and humiliated and humbled. And I don't know, it can feel certainly like a, a shaming experience because that's what crucifixion was. Pick up your cross and follow Jesus wherever he takes you. Now, it's, it's a good thing, the second stage, because it's a, it's a necessary humbling that everyone needs to do in their life. And maybe some of us are so proud that we have to go through it a few times, but it's fascinating. There's a lot of people that absolutely fight this tooth and nail, and they end up doing themselves even more damage because they're fighting the process of spirit that just wants to grow them. Now, it's a necessary humbling, sure, but this, this right here, this is the real start of the spiritual journey. Now, when I say that, it's because you can go to church your entire life, obviously, and never actually have a moment of voluntarily walking into a humbling experience for yourself. You can go to church and let church become a thing that lets you constantly build yourself up. Yeah, in a proud and egotistical manner, 
where you just accrue and accumulate respect in the organization. Or maybe you've gotten titles. Let's say you've gotten degrees, or let's say people just simply look up to you. And all that really is, is just bolstering and building up your sense of self. And that can absolutely go awry. And then you fight it. And when something comes along and spirit asks you, pick up your cross, deny yourself, lose your life, and you'll save it. Lose your very self, and you will find it. Now, this second stage of deny self or crucify self, um, it can be initiated by loss, of course, by betrayal, by disappointment. But one of the hard things about it is that you have to, in some sense, walk it alone. And I mean that in, this, in the way that uh, nobody can walk it for you. Sure, people can guide you along the way and say that they went through it too. But on some sense, it's a little bit of a lonely path, crucifying yourself, letting your own egotistical sense of self die or wither or be crushed and pulverized into dust. Yeah, that's something that, that no one can do for you. You just have to trust that spirit knows what it's doing when it invites you on that journey. And then, in the midst of all of this, something super deep, super profound is actually happening. Because it might feel like death, sure, but the Christian path to the spiritual life is that it's not life leads to death, it's that death leads to life. And so sometimes the things that feel like death to you on the other side just might have life. Okay, that's stage two. (laughs) Here's stage three. And it's when you have no self. You're just empty. Uh, The the book of Philippians, chapter two, it uses this odd word, kenosis, which means emptying or self-emptying that Jesus the Christ chose to empty himself. Of what? Of all of his godness? Of all of his divinity? Of, of what? We don't know exactly what he emptied himself of. But at least being empty, you know, okay, there's a container there, but it's not holding anything. You've built up your sense of self, but on the inside, it's just a vacuum. Okay. Now, that might sound terrible, that the third stage means that you have no self. You've completely given into the crucifixion of your own ego, your own false sense of self. And uh, I say it's false because the truest, deepest you isn't necessarily in your accomplishments. The truest, deepest you is, is more than that. So all these external supports, these are things that we use to bolster the false self. But when you've given in to crucifying the false self, let's say you've fully dove 
into the process of kenosis, of self-emptying, and now you have no self because you took yourself, you crucified yourself, so now you have no self, what do we do with that? Well, it, in some sense, it's a beautiful place to be. Yeah, even though it might feel completely empty, and even though I felt that way at certain points, it's, um, there's nothing left to excuse or defend at this stage because there is no self left. There's no egotistical false self that feels the need to protect its survival. It's just life, life is emptied of all of those pursuits of denying or repressing our own issues. Um, it's so much different than that. This no self, I feel like this third stage, you also have, you're impervious to uh, being impressionable. People might try to impress you with certain things, and, and then you kind of see their conversation. You see their talk a little differently. The way they go about their life, you can kind of stop from your no selfness and watch them. Oh, you're still trying to prove yourself. You're still in the first stage. You're still building yourself up with this external supports of achievements and successes and titles and notoriety and reputation. And you just watch because you just don't relate to that pursuit anymore. To you, that seems like a foolish use of energy. But it was good at the time, perhaps, but now, now the game has changed, you know? You kind of look at those people with a, a curiosity or, or um, a little bit of intrigue. He's like, huh, oh, you're still there, but you're not here where I am yet. And so that's why this disconnect is happening, because you and I are at different stages of the game. And that's okay. We can't ever shame or look down on other people for being where we once were, but now we've moved on, you know? Because that stage was good. It got us to the point where we are now. But you can't shame other people for being where you used to be. But you can stop getting frustrated at them for seeing the world differently than you do at this point. Now, very, this is beautiful, but when you have no self, there's no egotistical false self that you're always trying to prop up or build up. You're very free. You're very free to say yes or no to things without any caveats or catch-22s. You feel more open and free to just disappoint people because their acceptance of you doesn't matter to the game of building yourself up anymore. Because now you're playing a different game. You're like, you know what? I don't feel any need to build my unhealthy or even healthy ego anymore. I'm just going to do what I think is good in this moment and what is most loving, I guess you could say. So the game changes. At this point, you're, you're liberated, you're free, but 
this is the perfect soil for something further even to happen. That when you've taken the self that you've built up over your life, and that's okay, that's a good self, but it's not your deepest, truest self, and you crucify that self because of that odd parable, paradoxical statement of Jesus that if you lose yourself, you will save yourself. You give up that self and you let it be exposed and crucified. And when you have no self, like I said, it's the perfect soil for some new life to come bursting forth just like a flower. Just like a, um, I don't know, let's say a rose. is burst. There's a hint of green that came out of all that dirt pile, <laughs> you know? Oh, it's messy, but here it is. Like something brand new just broke ground and it's green and living and alive. And what is it? It is your Christ self. The version of you that is Jesus in this world. Now, that might sound a little striking, but let me break it down. The word Christian just means little Christ. To be a Christian means that in some sense, you're a little Christ walking around the world. You have the same motivations, desires, and hopes to heal, to fix, to redeem, to reconcile all things back with each other and with the divine. That is the Christ self. But the beautiful thing is that it's not necessarily the negation of who you are. It's more like it's the fulfillment. Like, okay, the Christ wants to heal, fix, redeem, reconcile everything to everything else and to the divine. And now it's your blooming moment where you can live into doing that according to your personality, your gifts and traits, your preferences, your locality, your location. I was on a roll until I missed that word. But that's it. The, The Christ self is the purpose of the crucified self. That who you used to be had to die so that this new version of you can come forth. And this is also in, this is like Galatians 2. I've been crucified with Christ, with the Christ, and I no longer live, but the Christ lives in me. Oh my gosh, Jesus has been pointing to this life principle for so long. And here we are thinking that salvation was just about forgiveness. This is actually about you becoming a little Christ in this world in your own personhood. But in order to do that, you had to go through all of the steps of building yourself up so that you can have a self to deny. So then you can have no self, which is the perfect fertile ground for the Christ self, the version of you that is um, the unique embodiment of Jesus in this world for yourself. And I think it's really important just to, to focus on this last part, okay? All of this, especially this last and final self, the Christ self, the Christ version of you, the version of you that is most messianic to your family, to your neighborhood, to your town 
state, country, world, cosmos, right? It's not a negation of who you are. It's a fulfillment of you becoming what you were always supposed to be. You know, it's just like a, a caterpillar and a butterfly. The caterpillar should never be shamed for turning into a butterfly. It's like, oh, you actually, you look completely different. Inside and out, everything is completely changed, but actually you're now more what you were intended to be. Now you're a butterfly. You're not a caterpillar anymore. Because Colossians 3 talks about who you are is hidden with the Christ in God. In order to fully become who you are, you actually have to become your personal embodiment of the Christ in God in this world. And so this whole time, we've been talking about having a self, you deny or crucify yourself, and then you have no self, and that's the fertile ground for which your Christ self can come out. All of this is the game, the long game. But some people get, get caught up because in the first stage, when you're building yourself, you could think that's the end game. Or let's say you're going through a humiliating and pulverizing time of depression and sadness, and you could feel like that's enough to absolutely crush you, annihilate you, and that's it. The world is tragedy, so just finish it then. But then you, you sit in it long enough to realize you're still alive. Your sense of self, though, has just completely changed and now who you thought you were is now completely different. Just like I said before, because you've understood the rules of the game are different than you used to think. And now you realize that the real end game is to have a Christ self. Now, in the midst of this, it's cool to give yourself to other people early on. It's real difficult to give yourself to other people when you're being uh, crucified or you're denying yourself that whole second stage. It's really difficult to do that in some sense, I guess, because like a caterpillar, you're in a chrysalis and you're, you're being melted down. You're going through kenosis. And as a result, um, you kind of have to be a little insular, but then when you have no self, that's a beautiful thing because what if you gave to someone else your no-selfness? You gave to someone the version of you that has absolutely zero ego or false piety or desire to impress, and you're just present. Warts and all, glories and failures, all of it because you don't feel any need to excuse or repress or deny anything. You are just there existing in the moment. And in the midst of giving your no self to the people around you, you find out you've actually secretly been giving the Christ self of you to other people. And maybe that's what it means to um, be a little Christ in this world, that each of us have a necessary transformation process that takes us the raw materials of who we are and through life 
crushes and buries that the real life can burst forth. This is the real end game of being a personal embodiment of the Christ in this world, in this generation, in this locality, right here and now. You see, when, when the game changes, or let's say maybe the game didn't change, you just realized there were more rules, or maybe you realized, oh, the end game is very different than what I thought it was when I was younger. Before I went through that hardship, that loss, that divorce, that death, that being fired, that relapse into alcoholism, before I did all of those things, I thought the end game was building yourself up. But now I realize, after I've voluntarily walked into giving myself up in order to find myself, I realize that the true end game is being an embodiment of the Christ to this world now. That lives with egoless, egoless, is that a word? <laughs> egoless love that has sincere concern that isn't interested in the whole deny, repress, excuse game and just owns faults freely, gives yourself some grace, but also gives other people grace along the way because you realize none of us have a leg up on each other anyways. So why bother doing that game? So this is kind of how I've mapped out the past couple months. Yeah, I slipped into a pretty heavy depression and I, I started talking to someone about that. But in the midst of the pulverizing, the, pulverizing the, the crushing, and then as I started to come out of it, I realized something else was happening. Because I even noticed less of a desire to um, defend myself. I just didn't care about that game anymore. And hopefully now, I'm on this, hopefully, on this other side of having a no self, and that lets me be more freely the Christ version of myself to other people. Now, it's certainly possible that many of us are going to have to go through this cycle a few times of building ourselves up and then denying ourselves so then we can have no self, so that we can be our Christ self. And it's possible that some of us might lose the plot along the way, you know, wander off the path, forget this. And then we'll have to go through a new season of being crucified of picking up our cross and following Jesus into whatever depths and mystery he bids us. And that's okay, because that is really what the spiritual journey is about. It's less about moral living and more about becoming the truest, deepest version of yourself that embodies the Christ. So may you, the listener, in whatever season you find yourself, as you're going through hardship, as you are going through the pulverizing, as you are potentially building yourself up, which is good, may you not fight the journey. May you not avoid the path. May you 
also pick up your cross and follow the Christ wherever he calls you. And may you allow your very self (laughs) to be crucified so that you can lose your life, that you might find it, so that you might be another little Christ in the world. Grace and peace to all of you.